we're in this uh, series uh, called Living Hope that I want to kind of close out this week. And, you know, one of the things that uh, Jesus did when he began his ministry was he came to give a different alternative kind of hope. And we see this in Matthew chapter 12, uh, verses 15 through 18. It says, but Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, but many followed him and he healed them all. Why were they following him? They were following him because they had a different expectation. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of people that were following someone because they had heard story of all the miracles, all the healings, all the deliverance, all these things that had happened. And so they were following out of hope. See, that's how Jesus was different. And many followed him and he healed them all and warned them not to tell who he was. For Isaiah the prophet said this, Behold my servant whom I have chosen. My beloved in whom my soul delights, I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. And I love this. And in his name, say name. Name. In his name, the Gentiles will hope. Even the Gentiles, not not just the followers, because not everybody who was following Jesus had yet believed in him. So you have unbelievers who have an expectation out of Jesus that was different. I love that. I love that. I've heard Bill Johnson say this. Everybody wants a king like Jesus. It's so true. When you encounter things like his presence and you have joy and you have healing, there's a different expectation that comes out of that. There's a different hope. And that's why we do what we just did, to infuse people with hope. That, that word Gentile there is not just unbeliever, it's literally the human family. So all the human family, truly, by this prophecy of Isaiah, they will have a different hope in Jesus. That word hope in the Greek is elpis, and it means to wait with joy and full confidence. That speaks of certainty, doesn't it? See, that's how it's different. Most of, the hope that, uh, most of the hope that the world has to offer is a fading hope. It's really a hope to delay heartache. It's like, let me just give you something that's a positive thing until you get disappointed. I love what Rick Warren says when he compares the hope of the world to the hope that Jesus has to offer. He says, the hope that the world has to offer is psychological. The hope that Christianity has to offer is theological. It is rooted in God. And where do we get this hope from? We get this hope from the theme scripture for the whole series, 1 Peter 1 1 verse 3. I'm going to just read part B. We are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This living hope, as Romans 5, 5 says, is a hope that doesn't disappoint. That word disappoint, it means this. It's not deceptive expectation. Woo, that's so good. Which means it's not something that's a carrot on the stick. Let me just get you through a couple days until it's over, until you're disappointed. It's not deceptive. It is a worthy investment to place your full confidence expectation in Jesus. Romans 4, 18 says, it is a hope that hopes against all hope. (laughs) It's a hope. What What that means is when there is no hope to find anywhere, 
It's a hope that remains. Romans 12, 12 says, it's a hope that causes rejoicing. Psalms 33, 18 through 20, the eyes of the Lord are upon even the weakest worshipers who love him. Those who wait in hope and expectation for the strong, steady love of God. Now, I love this next part because it says that hope in verse 19, God will deliver them from death, even the certain death of famine. Hope will get you through a famine. This expectation that even God cares about the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. Why do you worry? After the first message uh, three weeks ago, I got a Facebook message from someone in our church that said, I was so excited to hear your word this morning because I have been struggling holding on to hope. And just in the last week, there has been financial provision come from out of nowhere. And she said, why do I even worry? See, that's, that's a different hope. I don't know about you, but I want to get to the point where my default is hope and not hopelessness. Amen. Where I'm just excited in the most miserable experiences. I can't wait for how God is going to show up here. Amen. That is the reality of the kingdom. This is our hope, and this hope is what we found last week is an anchor, anchor for our soul. What a beautiful song to uh, to to encapsulate last week's message. Man, that's so good. And so I want to continue and end the series this morning from a passage of scripture in the book of Zechariah chapter 9. So if you've got your Bibles, if you've got notes, whatever, just write down Zechariah chapter 9. Up until this week, I've been, I've been uh, saying Zechariah, but it is actually Z-E, Zechariah chapter 9. For those of you that have never read Zechariah, it is the book before Malachi. You don't need to raise your hand, but I, I had to find it. I had to search. Thanks, thank God I got these tabs so I could find out where it was. Zechariah chapter 9. And there's a, such an interesting scripture here. It's in the Spirit of the Lord came upon Zechariah. If you're there, say I'm there. And the Spirit of the, if you're not, it's fine. You, I, I, some of you guys lie to me because you're like, he's about to put it on the screen. <laughs> so I don't, I, <laughs> I'm there. I'm about, to, I'm about to be there. When you put it up on the screen, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Zechariah, Zechariah, and he spoke to the Jewish people, and he said, "As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, how many of you know that covenant speaks of promises that are made? As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I have set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. So say so. so. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners who have." The hope. The hope, not a hope. Listen, there is the hope and then there is a hope. Just like there is the Ohio State University and there are a university. There's a difference. There's a difference. When you put the in front of the Ohio State, that means it is a certified, patented thing. The, the Spirit of the Lord comes in Zechariah and says, there is the hope and it's different from a hope. It is different. It is rare. And so we're going to talk on this topic. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners who have the hope. And it goes on to say, for this very day, I am declaring that I will restore double to you. Man, that's so good. This is the Lord speaking through Zechariah, mind you. So this morning, I want to talk to you from an interesting topic Pick your prison. 
pick your prison. Let's pray. God, thank you for revelation. Thank you for insight. Thank you for what you've already done. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom as we navigate through your word. And Father, I pray that there would be an impartation, another infusing of this living, breathing, energetic hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Question, have you um, ever had your kids or seen other kids discipline themselves? Oh, it's just my kids. Anybody ever had their kids send themselves to the room or in timeout or anything like that? That's uniquely mine then, I guess. We're doing a good job parenting. Gideon uh, doesn't necessarily, he never really did this, but we've seen this both in Ella and Zeke, that they will get to a point where, <laughs> it cracks me up, they'll get to a point where they think like, oh, I've done something wrong, and they will just make a public declaration. They'll be like, I'm going to time out. And they will just go on their own. And it's amazing because I, don't even, I wasn't even going to send them to time out. So if you want to self-impose discipline on yourself, go ahead, have at it. And so they'll just do something where they hit each other or they got angry and they took something and then out of nowhere, I'm just going to time out. <laughs> and I've seen Zeke and Ella do this on multiple occasions. And so they'll go and that time out place is different. Sometimes it's on the steps. Sometimes when, when they think that they're worthy of a greater disciplinary measure, sometimes they'll go from the steps to their bedroom. And, and over a period of time, they, they will send themselves to a timeout. Allison and I are looking at each other. We're like, that's cool. Because anytime a kid is in timeout, it's a break for a parent. You go sit there. And then how many of you have been guilty of forgetting? You're like, oh, crap, they've been on the step for an hour. And so <laughs> Zeke is, I, I've like, like zoned out. And Zeke's been like, I'm ready for like an hour. Oh, oh man, he's still on the steps. But there's been times where Ella has thought what I did deserves a greater level of punishment or prison. And so I'm not going to sit on the steps. I'm going to go up to my room. So I'll go up to the room. I'll turn the door handle. And she has locked herself in. And I'm like, hey, you can get out of timeout. To which she'll often, no, I'm still in timeout collecting her thoughts, getting herself together. But you know, it's interesting, when I was thinking about my kids disciplining themselves or, or having this tendency to self-impose discipline, I think it speaks to the reality that as human beings, often we can pick our poisons, we can pick our punishments, and we can pick our prisons. I think that's, that's a truth about just being human. Let me give you a couple of examples. See, we can become prisoners of addiction, can't we? We can become prisoners of an unhealthy relationship. We can become prisoners of debt. I, I, we, Allison and I have been considering selling our house because the market is crazy, but then it's like, where do you go from there? You're just going to bid on a house that's $50,000 more than the asking price, and what you're going to do is become house broke, and your house becomes your prison. Because all you can do is make your mortgage payment. You can't do anything else. You can't give when we have missionaries come in. You can't tithe. You start to pull back your tithe because you can't even afford your house payment. We can become prisoners where we are locked up in debt. We can become prisoners of an unhealthy mentality. 
How many of you know you can become a prisoner of your past? Where you are never able, you are stuck in your past. See, the victim mentality would say that our prisons pick us, but more often than not, we pick our prisons in freedom. Genesis chapter 4, I was reminded of this when I was thinking about this point, that God warned Cain to avoid the sin that wanted to imprison him. See, Cain had the freedom. But God, through the Holy Spirit, in our lives, will say, you're about to pick a prison. Avoid that. It's going to, it's, it's enticing, it's alluring, it's, it's something that you think is going to be exciting. But just like he said to Cain, he said, why are you angry and why is your face, face gloomy? This is in 4.6. If you do well, will your face not be cheerful? If you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Cain had freedom. See, in freedom, you can make whatever choice you want to make. You, he was saying, Cain, you don't have to pick this prison. But he said, it desires to master you, but you must master it. See, how many of you know God was telling Cain, this is your choice. In your freedom, you have, to, you have the power to choose what you are bound by. So what is a prisoner? A prisoner is someone who is locked up in something, someone who's bound up, caught up, tied up, wrapped up, restrained by someone or something. And as a result of that, they've got limited options. But do you know, listen, that was not really helpful talking about that. But let me transition. Do you know that even though being in prison and being a prisoner often has a negative connotation, you can also be a prisoner of something good. We see this in Paul, the way he described himself. Romans 1.1, I am a bond slave or servant to Christ. That's a good prison. Amen. He goes on in Ephesians 1, he says, or 3, uh, Paul takes it a step further and calls himself a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of the Gentiles. What was he saying? He was saying, I am arrested by Jesus. I am chained to Jesus. I am locked up, tied up, wrapped up in someone or something. I have chosen the purposes of God to be a prison that I put myself in. And wherever God wants me to go, that's where I'm going. I am bound to his purposes for my life. So you can pick your prisons. Context of, John, of chapter 9 of Zechariah is this, that it was written to Jews who were returning to, to Israel after the nation had been in Babylonian captivity for over 150 to 200 years. They finally get a uh, emperor or a king, I believe it was in uh, Persian King Cyrus. Persia had uh, conquered Babylon and they had taken over their territory and he says you can return and you can rebuild your temple. Now you would think that that's so exciting but the truth is is that over that 150 to 200 years some of the Israelites had become comfortable in, in Babylon and they're like we, we don't even see any point in going back. But there was a remnant that went back. And here's the thing that, you, that, that we don't necessarily know. You would think, oh my gosh, this is an answer to prayer. Now we get to go back and rebuild the temple. But they were not going back to a homeland that had been preserved from devastation. 150 to 200 years had went by, and so now they're going back to a homeland that they were excited to see, but upon seeing it, it had been ravaged and ransacked. And so now they're confronted, yes, we got to go back, 
but now we have to rebuild everything. We've got to re rebuild the temple, homes, all of these things. There was so much devastation, and it is in this context that God speaks to them and says, you have options about how you move forward with this rebuilding process. He says, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I have set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. That is, I've set you free from the doom that you thought was coming in being in captivity forever. I've set you free. Now you've got a new choice. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners who have the hope. This very day I am declaring that I will restore double to you. I want you to imagine that they are picturing their homeland ravaged and ransacked and devastated. And God says, I am going to build on this. And I'm going to doubly restore it. That it will be better than what it was before. See, what was God saying to his people? He was saying that I have a covenant with you. I have promises that I have made to you. And I am not like a man that I should lie. So if you are hopeless, you don't have to be a prisoner to it. There's another prison that you can put yourself in. You have another option, and that option is to return to the stronghold. Bind yourself to hope. Shackle yourself to hope. Wrap yourself up in hope. Tie yourself in, uh, up in hope. Become a prisoner of hope. Turn to somebody and say, pick your prison. Because listen to me this morning. You can either be a prisoner of hopelessness and despair and walk through life believing that nothing ever good will happen in your life again, or you can bind yourself up to hope. This is the option that you have in your freedom. And let me tell you, they were hopeless, and he's speaking into their hopelessness saying, this does not have to be your prison. Anytime we do prayer ministry, we are declaring to people, whatever your prison has been, it doesn't have to be your prison anymore. There is another thing that you can get out of and you can move on to. You can return to the stronghold and become a prisoner of hope. I love what Joyce Meyer said on this topic. She said that many of the prisons that we are bound to, the way you get out is you become a prisoner of hope. What does that mean? That means that you shackle yourself to anticipation and expectation that even though you, the things around you seem hopeless, you know that tomorrow will be better than today. And it's not just, we're, once again, listen, I'm speaking to Christians that follow Jesus, so we're not hoping in hope. Because if we're hoping in hope, we're just going to be disappointed. There's a difference between a hope and the hope. So we're, we're hoping, we are placing our expectation, our anticipation in the hope, not a hope. What does it mean to become a prisoner of hope? It means this, that you are bound up, caught up, tied up, wrapped up, and restrained by the hope that you have in the God of hope. See, it wasn't just any hope, it was the hope. Now, it's interesting because this language seems to throw us off, prisoner and stronghold. See, just like prisoner, the word stronghold also has a negative connotation. See, when we hear the word uh, stronghold, we think of demonic stronghold. 
That is the language that we have in Christendom. Whenever we talk about stronghold, oh, it's a demonic stronghold. It's, a, it's this or that. But you know, in the same way that you can be a prisoner of something good, you can actually, you can actually there's other alternative good strongholds. You know what a stronghold is? It's, it can also be a fortress. It can be a refuge. It can be a strong tower. Listen to what David said in Psalms 18. He said, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my savior, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield. Why did he use this word? Because there are alternative strongholds to demonic strongholds. And he goes on to say, he says, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. You know what that word means? My refuge, my retreat. It also means this, my high place. Think about a battle. You know what has the greatest advantage in a battle? The higher place. So David is saying, you are my stronghold. You are my high place in the middle of the battles that I'm facing in my life. And he wrote Psalm 18 out of the fact that he was running for refuge because Saul was trying to kill him. So he's saying, listen, I'm in a hopeless situation. Death is a, literally around the corner. But God, I'm returning as a prisoner of hope to my stronghold. I'm going back and I am anchoring myself in the hope that even in this hopeless situation where I can smell Saul, I still have hope. God, you're still going to be good to me no matter what happens. Return, pick your prison. See, you can choose your stronghold. You got an alternative. You can either be bound by the prison stronghold of hopelessness or you can be arrested by the God of hope. You can be tethered to the God of hope. You can be, listen, I'm telling you. I, listen, there are things in my life that I have hope in that are so unreasonable because of the, the God that I serve. You can have unreasonable hope because God is the supplier of it. See, when you make the choice to return, return to the stronghold of God, uh, a stronghold of hope, God says that he will restore what? Double to you. I think about Job. How many times did Job not agree with his friends that said, curse God and die? He had lost everything, and here's Job. I'm still going to still going to follow him. I'm still going to trust him. I'm still going to believe in him. I'm still going to hope in him. And what happened when Job returned to the stronghold of hope? Did not God restore double? Let me just say something really quick. I don't know what your double looks like, but this is what I know. Double getting restored to you isn't even an option if you don't return to the prison of hope. It's not an option. How is it not a, an option? James says that he who doubts is blown and tossed by the wind. Should he not receive anything from God? What is doubt? Doubt is believing the lie of hopelessness. This is all there is. God will never come through. God can never invade this. See, remember that you cannot have faith without hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
You know what faith is? Faith is belief in God. Hope is the expectation that God will be good. And I believe in the body of Christ, we have people who believe in God, but we don't think he'll be good. There is faith without hope. Will he be good or not? Let me tell you something. If you don't have the expectation and the anticipation that Jesus will be good, what are you even believing in? You know what that is? That's being agnostic. That's believing, yeah, there is a God, but he's not interested in my life. There's no relationship here. You can be atheistic and be a Christian. You can be agnostic in your faith. Agnostic is literally the absence of hope. I believe there is a God, but I don't expect anything good to come. I don't expect any benefit from my faith. I'm telling you, you need to expect God to be amazing in your life. You need to anticipate that God, if you have gone through difficult situations, you need to expect and anticipate that God is going to restore double to what you've gone through. Because this is the God that we serve. Is he not a redeemer? He is. That's the name of our church. We should act accordingly, which means you get your hopes up, not because you're hoping in hope, but you are hoping in the distributor of not a hope, but the hope. This is the God that we believe in. Isaiah 61, notice the transaction when you go back to the stronghold. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to, to comfort the brokenhearted. Listen to this language. And to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. See, if you're a prisoner of hopelessness, he came to release you from that and become the stronghold that you turn to. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes. Listen to me. We will all go through ashes, but when you, when you make God your stronghold, the one you run to, those ashes will become something beautiful. Amen. This, is what, this is a messianic prophecy of Jesus. He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, and a festive praise instead of despair. So good. And this is what Jesus said or read when he sat in the chair that was empty in the synagogue. And he said, this very scripture is being fulfilled to you today. You know what the chair was? The chair was always empty because it was always that when the Messiah returns, this is the chair he'll sit in. Jews have at their dinner table an empty chair awaiting the Messiah to come. And Jesus reads this scripture and says, it's being fulfilled today. At the right time, the God of hope invaded a hopeless world and said, I'm about to make beauty for ashes. I'm about to give joy and despair. Man, this is the God of hope. So how do we return to the stronghold? How do we choose to become prisoners of hope? Well, there's several ways that you become a prisoner of hope, but one of them we already talked about, Pastor Dwight Close about, you turn to God in prayer. And I think this sounds so practical, but it's really deep. Listen, in Luke 18, listen to the language that Jesus said 
when he, uh, when he, read, when he said this to his disciples. One day, Jesus taught the, the apostles to keep praying and what? Never stop or lose hope. To keep praying and be persistent with it and never lose hope. There is an interconnection to prayer and hope. That's how you to return to the stronghold. It goes on to say in uh, verse 8, God will give swift justice to those who don't give up. So be ever praying, ever expecting. If you have stopped praying in your hopeless situation, it's time to pray again. Because there's something, I'm telling you, when, when you get into intercession, when you're praying in your hopeless situation, there's a transaction that takes place as you get closer to God that you start to get infused with unreasonable hope. Because in the atmosphere of God is hope. There is no hopelessness in heaven. Because the one that can do the impossible is at the core of it. So as you take your hopeless situation, you return to the stronghold, and you tie yourself to prayer, I'm telling you, there's something that happens. Listen, you are at a teetering point when you start to get hopeless in your prayer. You're about to transition into hope. Because the enemy will sift you like wheat to discourage you from continuing to pray. And God says you need to be persistent and never give hope. It's interconnected. Romans 12, 12 says this, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient. That means wait in your trouble and keep on praying. There's an interconnection here. So how do we return to the stronghold? How do we choose to become prisoners of hope? We pray through prayer because as Jesus promised, you will never lose hope. But what prayer do we pray? What, what? Well, Jesus actually, I think it's interesting, he taught his disciples in Matthew 6 a very specific prayer, didn't he? We call it the Lord's Prayer. And there was actually a study, and there's an interconnection here that I think is so amazing. There was a study done on the 10, top 10 causes of hopelessness in humanity. And there's an interesting connection to God being a provision to those hopeless states in the Lord's Prayer. Let me tell you the top 10 causes. You can identify if you've ever been in these places. You feel all alone or abandoned. Produces hopelessness. Ever, anybody ever been there? When life seems out of control because of all of your problems. In other words, you get to this point, it's never going to change. This is my lot in life. Number three, you don't see a purpose for your life. You know, it's interesting about uh, pain is that people can go through a lot of pain if they see the purpose to it, okay? Just in sports analogies, when you win Super Bowls and national championships, there's a lot of pain in the weight room, but when you have a purpose, you can endure it. And so what happens is when you don't see the purpose, you become hopeless. Number four, grieving a loss. Number five, when you don't have not just what you want, but when you don't even have what you need. Day late, dollar short. When you've done something wrong, guilt causes hopelessness. Shame causes hopelessness, regret and remorse. When you cannot forgive yourself. When you are hurt deeply by somebody. Number eight, when you are pulled perpetually in the wrong direction. When the theme of your se the season of your life is Romans 7, I hate what I do, yet I still do it. I keep on getting pulled and tugged in the certain direction. Causes hopelessness. 
when you constantly wrestle with fear and anxiety. And when it looks like defeat is imminent. Like, why do I even try? Okay? These are the top ten causes that are most common in hopelessness. But Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Matthew 6. And there's an interesting connection here. Because remember, in Luke 18, he said, always pray and never lose hope. So what is it in the Lord's Prayer that's the solution to these top ten causes of hopelessness? Look at this. Ten reasons for hope. When I feel all alone and abandoned, my hope is in our Father who is in heaven. When you think that you don't have anybody in your corner, Jesus said, pray our Father who is in heaven. Look at Deuteronomy 31.6. When you are not alone, you, have been ad- you are not alone. You have been adopted as, adopted as sons and daughters of a loving Father who will never abandon his children. Isaiah 43.2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. See, when you feel like you're all alone, you're really not alone. And what I learned at 14 years old, you can either be alone or you can be alone with God. You really can't. You can either be lonely or you can be alone with God. In your freedom, what will you choose? Number two, when I feel like my life is out of control and I don't have any power to overcome what I'm going through, pray holy is your name. Do you know that God's power flows from his holiness? He is holy. We, re- we sang about it. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know your problems have knees that will bow at his name. They got knees too. You remember in Colossians when it it says that Jesus dragged through the streets of eternity everything that was a problem in your life? It It was this analogy, a personification of your problems. Your problems that got knees. And when you turn to the holiness of God, you will tap into something that is a solution to I have no control in my life, I'm powerless against what's going on. Number three, when I don't see a purpose for my life or for my pain, and when I'm grieving a loss, I can pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Why? Because your purpose has a place in the fulfillment of God's kingdom. Every one of you, if you want to know where your purpose is, it's in something that is connected to advancing the kingdom forth. See, you can go through a lot of pain when you know your purpose. You know, one of the things that goes on with this when you've been grieving a loss, I'm so convinced that God wastes nothing. He wastes nothing. Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Number four, when you don't have what you need and you are worried, you can pray, give us this day our daily bread. Philippians 4, 19, my God shall supply all of my needs. Number five, when you've done something wrong and forgive us of our sins. Some of us, we need to be freed from the hopelessness that perpetually is a sick cycle in our life that we are condemning and and, and shaming ourselves because we can't even forgive ourselves. That is a hopeless state when you can never move forward because you can't forgive you. It's one thing to forgive other people, but if you can't, listen, 
they're interconnected because if you can't forgive yourself, you don't forgive other people. Because why would you give them something you won't give yourself? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you can't forgive yourself, you're not going to extend grace and mercy and forgiveness to other people because you will hold them to your own standard. Man, it's quiet in here. See, when you've done something wrong, forgive us of our sins. When you are deeply hurt by someone, help us to forgive those who sinned against us. When you are pulled perpetually in the wrong direction and lead us not into temptation. When God is your leader, you will not be led in the wrong direction. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he will always be faithful to provide a way out. When you constantly wrestle with fear and anxiety, deliver us from evil. When it looks like defeat, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know what that means? That means that temporary losses are not permanent. Some of us just need to read the end of Revelation on a yearly basis to remind ourselves that uh, we win. We win. If I could have the worship team come forward. Last thing I'm going to say is this. Make hope your only option by becoming a prisoner of hope. Make hope your only option by becoming a prisoner of hope. There's this um, uh, story that I heard that was amazing. This college athlete was very, very successful in his athletics. Um, He was just amazing in sports and uh, at some point he experienced a tragedy he got in a car this is a true story he got in a car accident and as a result of the accident he actually had to lose one of his limbs lost an arm and so now he's in a hopeless situation because as we know most sports require you to have both of your limbs if you're gonna play basketball baseball football whatever you need both your arms and so he, he lost this, this limb, and he's experiencing hopelessness, and he's trying to brainstorm, like, what can I play? What can I play where I can only, I can play it with one arm? And he decides on handball. Anybody ever know what handball is? Handball is racquetball with your hand. <laughs> and I bet you that was a calloused hand. <laughs> Because if you've ever played racquetball, those balls come off that wall pretty hard. And so he joined a club, and he actually got really, really good. And he ended up competing in tournaments, and he was winning tournament after tournament after tournament after tournament against two armed players. And there was actually a local newspaper uh, there, and there was a, 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 a guy, a, a writer, or a journalist that was there, and he was like, I have to interview this guy because I have to discover what was it in his mentality that caused him to continue to beat all of these guys. So he, he goes up to him after a tournament that he, did, that he had won, and he said, what's the trick? What's the inside scoop? Like, what is it, uh, what is it that causes you to beat all these two-handed guys. And he said, it's really simple. It's options. Journalist goes, what What do you mean options? He said, 
when that ball comes off of the wall, my opponents have to choose between which hand they're going to hit the ball with. But in my life, I only have one option. Make hope your only option. And the way that you make hope your only option is that you realize there's an alternative to hopelessness. Return to the stronghold, oh prisoners who have not a hope, but the hope. Because in Romans 15, it says that we have a God of the hope. How do you turn there? I'm telling you, you become tenacious in your prayer life where you say, God, this looks hopelessness, but I'm going to bind myself to you. And the picture is this. I know, I know Jacob gets, gets a bad rap for wrestling with God, but I love that he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. That's what it means when you become a prisoner of hope. Listen, you're not expecting anything out of God that he already said he would do. But you wrap yourself up, you handcuff yourself to Jesus as your stronghold. And you say, God, I'm turning you to, to you in hope. I am praying through your prayer. And I am believing with expectation and anticipation that you will say and be who you said you were going to be in my life. And I will not let go until you bless me. And even if you don't bless me in this life, I know I got another one where you will redeem, restore, rebuild, and reward because God is faithful to reward those who diligently seek him. So I'm not going to let go to you in a hopeless situation. I'm going to anchor myself in my stronghold as a prisoner of hope. And I will make hope my only option. Why? Because we serve the God of the impossible. Celebrate with praises our God and Father who, God and Father of Jesus Christ, who through his extravagant Mercy made it available for us to be reborn to a living, energetic hope through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That we will celebrate, and I hope your neighbors celebrate with you in a couple weeks from now. So I want to go back to the beginning. And as we, as we transition this morning, I want to end today glorifying and worshiping the Lord because of this living hope. I want to I let you know that if you feel like you're a prisoner of hopelessness, this is a, an opportunity to turn. Hopelessness is not your only option. You have an alternative. It's a stronghold where you can make yourself a prisoner of the hope. So with that being said, will you just stand this morning? I want to pray for you, and then we're going to worship Jesus. And then next week, Pastor Dwight is going to share all of these amazing stories that encourage hope to rise in your heart. For you to be reminded of what is possible because of Jesus. So if you feel hopeless this morning, just want you to open up your hands. And we're going to pray. Father, in hopelessness, by faith, we're turning to you. Jesus, we are choosing 
to get out of the pit of despair and, Father, step towards you to return to the stronghold. God, you are our fortification. You are our, our high place. So, God, we will wrap ourselves up in you and the promises that you have made that you will be faithful and you are trustworthy. God, you are an anchor for our souls, God. Father, I pray that beauty would come right now instead of ashes. Father, I pray that gladness would replace mourning. And God, I pray that a mantle of praise would come upon those who have a spirit of despair, Lord. And Father, in your presence, we would experience this confident, certain hope that produces joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship Jesus this morning.